Hello everyone, it's me, Kirk Monroe, reporting live uh, to everyone out there for another upcoming episode of Podcast 101 History, or should I say History Podcast 101. Either way, it's history, it's fun, and no matter what the topic is that I enjoy history-related, it is worth sharing to those who want to know more about it. Um, it's great to be back on. I know I wasn't on um, the day before, but there was probably a reason why, but not necessarily a bad thing. Our new uh, season is underway, and I know um, it's hard to believe that it is a new season, but I think there's a reason for why there should be a new season. We've just finished talking about Dan Abrams's John Adams Dan Abrams's book, rather, John Adams Under Fire. And yes, that was an excellent um, read to share with everyone regarding the Boston Massacre. Uh, but our next topic um, stays with the American Revolution or within the period um, of the American Revolution itself. It has to do with a book I read last summer titled Signing Their Lives Away. Okay. Signing their lives away. What what does that exactly mean? I'll give you a hint. The Declaration of Independence. Signing their lives away. The fame and misfortune of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence. Well, tonight, today we're going to be uh, talking about um, the introduction to this book. And... The, and the reason, there are a couple of key reasons why this introduction needs to be talked about. It's not just on one element factor. What we've been told for years was that all of the signers who signed the Declaration of, of Independence did it on the 4th of July. I hate to tell you this, but that answer is no. Although I did learn that there were only a small handful of signers who did sign the actual document on the day of the 4th. But I will get to that number in a little bit. Well, who wrote this book? Well, it was a husband and wife team that wrote this book. Uh, the authors are Denise Kiernan and Joseph D. Agnes. I happened to stumble upon this book last summer at Barnes & Noble. Um, the ironic thing was that I was given a gift card as a birthday gift. And one night I was having trouble finding something that really suited my interests, especially in this uh, time period, being the Revolution. And what do you know, I stumbled upon this book, and after reading a few pages of it, I knew that this was something that I needed to read, because even I myself wanted to be reminded of just how much went into signing this document. Not just signing the document, but the sacrifices that our forefathers, and we're not just talking Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and Ben Franklin, that all of the signers from the 13 colonies, what sacrifices they made, not just as individuals, but as one cohesive unit or entity all came together to um, do something that had really not been um, 
known um, to have happened before in another part of the world, or should I say a country. What we have to remember is that these 13 colonies, who all being New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North, South Carolina, Georgia, to Connecticut, the, all these uh, colonies all came together to be able to put aside their differences to um, say to the mightiest empire in the world that, hey, we are tired of being treated like dirt. Well, maybe not so much dirt, but we are tired of being treated as though we have no right to anything. We, even though we may be subjects, but at the same time, a subject can only take but so much abuse from, from someone above, in this case being a governmental institution that had been um, doing so much left and right to where boundaries just didn't exist. And as mentioned from the last season of Dan Abrams' John Adams Under Fire, what was Parliament doing? They were passing legislation, not just one piece of legislation, but, but multiple pieces of legislation that caused a lot of unnecessary rift, like that infamous Stamp Act, taxation without representation. Ironically, the, the colonists, or the, or the 13 colonies, did not... Uh, choose to declare separation from England because of taxation without representation. That was just one of a handful of many um, issues or factors that caused the colonies to want to separate from England, but it wasn't the ultimate reason why. So, in this book, Signing Their Lives Away, Joseph D. Agnes and Denise Kiernan are going to have um, will teach us or help us rather go about debunking the existing myths that had been in the books for years and that's what I was able to learn when having read it last year was that um, was that there had been a series of events in the weeks leading up to July 4th not just the weeks but in the months but there were reasons why all of these things took place Okay, well, let me ask you all this. How many uh, signers actually signed this document? I'll give you a number between 50 and 60. The answer is 56. There were 56 men who put their lives on the line to rise up against King George III and sign a document that would, that would forever change the course of history as colonial America went from being a British subject to becoming an independent, sovereign entity. Quite a um, bold and uh, daring, um, what do you call it, feat. Were all 56 signers unique? 
Yes, uh, there were men whose statuses ranged from statesmen, soldiers, and yes, there were men who signed the document who were slaveholders. And yes, there were men who signed this document who were um, what we might consider in today's time shady individuals. Of course, in those days, you might have been listed as scoundrels. That's not to say you could be considered a scoundrel today. But yes, we did. history has shown that some of the signers who signed this great document were in fact crooks for their time. But at the same time, those who weren't as bad off in terms of being la- being labeled of a non-crook status probably had to put aside their um, feelings towards those who may have been doing things that were inappropriate. In other words, they couldn't burn bridges. In other words, they had to put it set aside and say, okay, maybe we didn't like what John Smith, for example, did at this point in time, but we have to put it aside because we're going to need John Smith on this uh, particular um, issue, or not just issue, but a a topic that could um, explain one of a handful of reasons why we are um, declaring our separation from King George III. Uh, there's there's a multiple of reasons uh, listed in the document for why we are declaring our separation. One of them, for example, has to do with how um, Jefferson wrote that something to this um, extent that he has plundered our uh, coasts, ravaged our seas, interrupted our flow of commerce. Who is Jefferson referring to? King George III. Jefferson also mentioned that he has taxed us without our consent. And that goes back to taxation without without representation from the Stamp Act of 1765. Um, Another uh, grievance. He has has forced troops into our home by means of quartering. What... Quartering means, and that has to do with a piece of act that Parliament passed known as the Quartering Act, which forced the colonists or the colonies to house British soldiers who came onto our territory. Not only were we forced to house them, but we were forced to pay for their stay. In other words, we didn't have any proper representation on this issue. Why is it today that that we don't have a quartering of soldiers in our homes. It doesn't so much go, it, it, it's not so much related to what was in the Declaration of Independence, but in the years after when the con- our U.S. Constitution was put into law, that there is an article, not just an article, but a clause in, in one of the articles stating that, um, that Congress cannot um, force any kind of quartering of soldiers into people's homes, but how prevalent that was in 1776, that that took, uh, that measure was put in because of what had happened in Boston um, years earlier, leading up to that infamous massacre and in the years uh, after. So these are just a few examples of what was written in the Declaration of Independence but it also goes back to how, okay, all the signers are, are different. They're unique. 
but at the same time, at the end of the day, they have to find ways to put aside whatever extremes they might have or whatever prejudices or jealousies they might have learned about someone else. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, they've got to put aside those differences to say, hey, we're either going to join together as one or we could all hang separately. And I'll mention that saying towards the very end of uh, this introduction. Here's another bonus question that should be pointed out. Were most of the 56 signers from elite upper class status? Uh, the answer is yes, but there were a handful who were from the opposite. And there again, they all still came together to, to work together as one to make the impossible become possible. Well, the Declaration of Independence is America's birth certificate. It's America's official birth certificate, I should say. And it is the most celebrated document. And it has served as a model for other countries around the world in establishing uh, written constitutions, in establishing um, forms of government that rival um, that of the American democracy that we have known um, to be around for 233 years. You know, it's safe to say that most Americans know signers like Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and John Adams, which is great. However, as the authors have said in this book, and even I can relate to them, most Americans can't name a strong handful of signers, and I don't find that to be very good at all. It's one thing to know that the Declaration of Independence was uh, written by Thomas Jefferson. It's one thing to know that there was a committee of five, being not only just Jefferson himself, but John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Robert Livingston, and Roger Sherman. But what about the uh, everyday ordinary people, the names that have tended to be forgotten? All right, well, if you want to ask me, can I name... Can I name multiple signers? Could I, can I name one signer from each of the 13 colonies that, that I did not know about until having read this book last year? Absolutely. And I will go ahead and do that right now. Josiah Bartlett of New Hampshire, Francis Lewis of New York, William Ellery of Rhode Island, Oliver Wolcott of Connecticut, Elbridge Jerry of Massachusetts, George Clymer of Pennsylvania, Abraham Clark of New Jersey, Caesar Rodney of Delaware, Charles Carroll of Maryland, Carter Braxton of Virginia, Joseph Hughes of North Carolina, Edward Rutledge of South Carolina, Lyman Hall of Georgia. Now, I know most of you are probably thinking to yourself, Kirk, how did you know all this stuff? Well, I took it, I made it a priority, obviously, to know as much as there is possible, not just about this document, but about the people who were involved, the people who went about making the sacri ultimate sacrifice on their end, because without these people, there is no Declaration of Independence. You can talk freedom all you want, but if you don't have the right people who can come together at a time of um, 
uncertainty or at a time when some form of um, resolution is needed that is different from all other previous attempts, you've got to be unique. And this is where it shines at its best. Now, it's safe to say leading up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence that other measures had been taken to avoid going this route. And for all of our effort, it just didn't seem to click on Parliament's end. Although there were um, those who did sympathize with the colonists, sadly it wasn't enough for them to be able to be recognized by their own leaders, and most notably King George III. You know, I also, you know, it is important to celebrate the 4th of July with a barbecue, but is it safe to say that the signers to this document, they didn't have the time nor the luxury to plan a party. What they were more concerned about was knowing whether or not their country, even though we were considered colonial America still up until just before July 4th of 1776, they were concerned about whether or not they would even still be alive. It was one thing to sign this document, but were they going to come home only to face being ostracized by not only just members of their family, but by other members of their community? There was no guarantee what was assured was that you had two choices. You either worked together as one, or if you did the opposite, you would have to hang separately. And again, that will be mentioned towards the end, but it is something that has to be uh, thought of the entire time. You know, you either work as a team, us, we, ourselves, or if you do the opposite, I, me, myself, you're not going to get anywhere. And that's what the signers of this um, unprecedented document were forced to realize. Well, um, here's another bonus question. Was the Declaration of Independence signed on July 4th, 1776? In other words, did everybody sign the document on that date that which we celebrate today as our official um, remembrance of uh, Independence Day? The answer is no. July 4th was a prelude to a series of events that led to the official declaration uh, crowning date. Event number one of um, significance was on June the 7th of 1776. Richard Henry Lee of Virginia, and the Lees obviously are a very prominent family of Virginia, Richard Henry Lee himself had proposed on this date, June the 7th, that all 13 colonies separate from England. And it's, and it's noteworthy to note, and, and all the other colonies knew this. I think it's safe to say, though, that colonies, other colonies like Massachusetts were probably the ones that were the most vigilant on it. It was one thing for other colonies to want to declare their uh, separation from England, but in order to do that, they would have to be assured that Virginia would go along with it. Why is Virginia so essential to all of this? 
because Virginia is the largest of the 13 colonies. Virginia's territory goes all the way into what we now know as Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin. Virginia is the largest. Uh, and of course, we, we now know uh, present-day West Virginia today, but of course, what we know of as present-day West Virginia was also considered Virginia. And of course, the southern end of the Ohio Valley, Kentucky and Tennessee, Virginia claimed all this territory. So in order for um, any of the other 12 colonies to be able to make a move, they've got to go through Virginia. Well, you know, even before 1776, Virginia is still pretty loyal to the crown. Most Virginians especially within that Tidewater aristocracy who control uh, the House of Burgesses in terms of, uh, in terms of a majority of, uh, of the seats being most notably about 60 counties. Most of these prominent individuals maintain um, some form of a strong allegiance to the crown. However, all of that changes about three years earlier by 1773, at the same time that that infamous Boston Tea Party was going on, Parliament passes what is called the Quebec Act. What is so infamous about the Quebec Act? Well, Parliament decides to strip many prominent Virginia land owners of land that, uh, that they possessed in what we now know as Ohio, being, or should I say the Ohio Valley and the Great Lakes area. Because many Virginians are impacted by this for all the wrong reasons, they, many of them see their relations with Britain, or should I say Great Britain and the Crown, as becoming all the more irrelevant. Take, for example, a prominent Virginian. He would have already been uh, deceased before all this happened, but his family still has a significant tie at this time uh, the last name being Carter. And uh, not to get off track, but it does pertain to what's going on right now here. There is a plantation not far from where my wife and I live called Shirley Plantation in Charles City County. It's on Virginia's uh, historic Route 5 where many other uh, well-known plantation homes are um, still around. Uh, and most of these plantation homes are now in uh, private hands. Even Shirley Plantation is still in the hands of the Carter family. The house itself has been there since 1613. But a prominent Virginian named Robert Carter, or should I say King Carter, was one of the wealthiest uh, individuals in colonial America for his day. He owned anywhere from 300 to 500,000 acres of land. And a lot of that territory stretched into into as far west as present-day Ohio. It turns out that on a couple of occasions when my wife and I have been to Shirley Plantation, our tour guides have worn a hat that has something to do with Ohio, and they will always ask us, those of us in the group, including my wife and, I, and myself, why they are wearing the hat. I've always been able to respond back, respond back by saying it's because Virginia 
it's because Ohio was once a part of uh, Virginia, or that or the Ohio Territory was, but also in part because of Robert King Carter being the wealthiest landowner of his time, who had uh, property holdings that stretched as far west as that pre- as that state, and of course the tour guides have always uh, said you know something like this. Very impressive. Uh, most people don't get it right the first time. Now, I'm not here to brag, but the reason I say it is because it is important to make that connection. States just don't get formed on their own. They are uh, usually a, a conglomerate or a conglomeration of another um, of territories that another state or colony has held in its possession for some time. And, of course, the states that I mentioned a moment ago of Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin were what was to become known as the Northwest Territory that was to be established in years after the Declaration of Independence. But there again, all the other 12 colonies, in order for them to make a decision, they have to go through Virginia first. Without consulting Virginia, then it's very hard to reach any kind of unanimous consent. So, um, we go to the beginning of July 1776, 1776, I should say. The events leading up to July 1st and to July 2nd are um, ones that can be best characterized as being of uncertain, or should I say uncertainty with high tension. Makes for a little good drama. But the question is, can this drama be resolved? Well, on July 1st, historians have now learned that nine of the 13 colonies supported, um, were in support or favor of separation from England. Which four colonies are still on the ropes? Well, it turns out that South Carolina and Pennsylvania have voted no. Delaware is deadlocked. And New York has abstained. In other words, New York is going to um, refrain from giving any vote on independence at this time. Now, I don't know if this is true, and of course, whenever we watch movies that pertain to something historic, we have to ask ourselves, is Hollywood doing all this for show, or did it really happen? So, if any of you all have remember watching Mel Gibson's uh, The Patriot, which was an excellent movie about the American Revolution, especially for uh, South Carolina, because it's it takes place in South Carolina. But what I find interesting is that they the South Carolina legislature convenes in what is now, at that time, they referred to it as Charlestown, but of course we know it as Charleston. That's where the capital of South Carolina was. And it still was the capital of that state um, up until about 1790. However, there was one scene in the movie where the legislature is convening and you've got loyalists and patriots at each other's throats. One gentleman says, "Here we are here to conduct business. Another gentleman says, it, this is in our last order of business. The gentleman who says our last order of business, uh, before he says the following, uh, a commander 
uh, who is involved in the war itself has asked South Carolina to be the ninth state to um, openly ratify declaring independence from England. This gentleman in the uh, legislature says something to this extent. Massachusetts and Virginia might be at war, but South Carolina is not. And you've got those who are loyal to the crown saying, hear, hear. Now, it is hard to believe that on July 1st that all South Carolinians are going to say that exact same um, wordage that I just said a moment ago about how Massachusetts and Virginia were at war, but South Carolina was not. It is safe to say that there were some South Carolinians who uh, did not want to declare independence from England. After all, there are many uh, well-to-do South Carolinians who uh, rely on trade with England, even though there's already been a non-importation agreement put into place. But there are those who just do not want to give up ties to the crown whatsoever. Well, it turns out that on July 2nd, the day after, there is good news to report about South Carolina. South Carolina is one of 12 colonies to vote in favor of complete separation from England, while New York, of all 13 colonies, still has abstained. While this would be seen as a dent in the road, Congress has decided to go forward. The motion is carried out, and a new nation is born. True or false, uh, did anybody sign the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776? And if so, how many people did? The answer to the first part is yes. And as for the number of people who signed, that number is only two. Who were those two men? John Hancock of Massachusetts, who was the president of the Congress, including his secretary, Charles Thompson, were the two who signed. July 2nd is, should be referred to as a motion that approved for separation from England. And remember, people, July 4th, July 4th, the reason why it's called Independence Day, because it was the day that, that all the colonies officially adopted the document. Did New York officially adopt on July 4th? Some could say no, others could say yes, but I, if you ask my honest opinion, I would say yes. Because if not, then we would have to go into a greater explanation for why they didn't, but I think it is safe to say that New York, even though New York as a colony may have had its... Um, uh, what do you call it, hesitations, they decided at that particular moment in time to put aside their hesitations and concerns to uh, vote in favor of adopting um, the official resolution to say that this would be our official day of declaring an actual separation from the mother country, England. Did anybody... Or should I say, did any of the 56 signers of the, who uh, signed this document lose their lives? 
No, uh, but I can say it's an absolute miracle that none of them uh, died. There was a risk that that they could have lost their lives, but I would have to say it was an act of God that none of them did. Everyone came together despite differences in opinion, backgrounds, and values to join together in forming a new nation. And I think the best way to end tonight's intro to signing their lives away, the fame and misfortune of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence, can be best summarized by a quote that Ben Franklin, the illustrious Benjamin Franklin, who was in fact the oldest member to sign the Declaration of Independence, he said the following, We must all hang together, gentlemen, or else we shall most assuredly hang separately. The way this should be interpreted, or the way I came to see it, was that all 13 colonies must join together as one entity. They need to put aside their differences. They must take an us-we-ourselves approach, not only to just sign the document, but to work out any um, existing conflicting issues because without it, without any compromises, without any um, resolutions, then how are we going to stand up to the mightiest empire in the world and say, hey, we have taken all the abuse that we can take. We have taken all, we have taken all the mistreatment, the sufferings, the being bonded, or as Patrick Henry had infamously said years earlier, you know, what is the price, what's the price, what price does it come at to be bonded in, in chains? In other words, how much more uh, tightening mu must one endure before being able to taste the, the actual sweetness of freedom? And of course, he would, would go on to say, give me liberty. I don't know what, uh, what course others shall take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The signing of the Declaration of Independence could be the same thing, too. You know, yes, who knows what course outsiders might take, but for the 56 signers, they had a choice. Give us freedom or death. And, I, and if I were one of those signers, I would have said freedom no matter what the stakes were. Had the opposite taken place, then the individuals, then any of those individuals, rather, would have had to have faced their peers and members of the community to explain why they chose betrayal or an I-me-myself stance. And I can tell you right now, uh, one signer of the Declaration of Independence who, who did sign, but but he was very hesitant to in doing this up until the very end was um, a Mr. Um, Dickinson of Pennsylvania. Mr. Dickinson was a very prominent figure in Philadelphia. And of course, we must remember that Philadelphia is one of the largest cities at this point. But Mr. Dickinson was very um, angry at how... Um, the people of Boston, for example, had caused so much uprising, had caused so much uh, tension 
and bad blood with the crown to where he almost said to him where to where he almost thought hey is this even worth doing what am i going to get out of it so there were a lot of people it is safe to say leading up to this um document being signed who still had a lot of um uncertainty but a lot of opposition not everyone came to philadelphia all hunky dory and um what do you call it um singing kumbaya saying hey we're all in agreement let's do this and that no we're going to find out that all 56 of these signers are unique in their own way uh, but we're going to find out that all of them bring their strengths and their weaknesses or should I say their flaws but we're going to find out how all of them came together when it really mattered most to resolve everything in front of them to where they could come together and sign as one entity declaring their separation from England. What I will tell you this before wrapping it up is that while, yes, all 56 signers have a story to tell, I'm going to um, go about finding the ones that I think are worth sharing per each colony. It would probably take an eternity to talk about all 56 signers, but I can promise you that I would will make it a priority to talk about more than one signer from each of the colonies. Hang tight to your seatbelts, everyone, because we're going to have um, more sessions coming up here soon. And believe me, uh, you will not miss out on anything that's of uh, relevant significance. And before we know it, July 4th will be here. So, uh, you know, here we are today, June the 16th. We have two weeks and four days to go before we um, celebrate an, another milestone on the 4th of July. But just remember this, July 4th wasn't always, wasn't then and shouldn't always be today about having a barbecue picnic and, um, and watching fireworks go up in the air. We must remember the sacrifices made by not just the soldiers who put their lives on the line to fight for our freedom, but the men who signed this document, because without them, there is no Declaration of Independence. Please remember that at all costs. Thank you, and I look forward to sharing another podcast on this uh, unique uh, book. Take care, and thank you.